Welcome to the Strong for Performance podcast, where we give coaches and consultants practical ideas for taking you to the next level in your business and in your life. I'm your host, Meredith Bell. I interview experts who've walked in your shoes and offer real-world experience that you can apply to your own journey. Welcome to another episode of the Strong for Performance podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Bell, and today I am delighted to welcome as my guest, Teresa Campbell. Teresa, welcome to my show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really excited to be here today, so thank you. Well, Teresa, before I go into your official introduction, I want to just mention that I think we were destined to meet because one day when I was on Facebook, I saw a post by our mutual colleague and friend, Melissa Ford, who said, who was quoting you and then shared a post that you had put in about listening. And I immediately went to it because of my interest in listening. And it was quite profound. And from there, I asked her to make an introduction because I knew I wanted to have you as a guest on my podcast. So let me introduce you formally to my audience before we jump in, because they'll understand why I'm so excited. Teresa Campbell is the founder and CEO of Her Life, Her Legacy, a leadership development organization dedicated to the power of deep listening. She's a leadership coach, author, and lifelong learner, and she helps you find and listen to what matters most. She's known as Coach T to her clients. Teresa has over a decade's worth of experience in the business and corporate world. She's led multi-million dollar sales and marketing initiatives with Ford Motor Company. And Teresa and I have so much in common. We are both lifelong learners with a passion for the topic of listening. And when she and I had our first conversation, I was really taken with the depth of study she has done in mastering this very important skill and bringing it to her clients in such a big way. She's also the author of three books, and she's working on a new one on, not surprisingly, the topic of listening. So, um, Teresa, I'm eager to jump in, and I think a good place to start is for you to talk a little bit about What was it about your journey that led you to want to study and become a master of the topic of listening? Yeah, it it actually uh, found me in a master's program at Rollins when I was getting my MBA. And I was taking a leadership course um, by a professor named Dr. Rick Bommelgey. And it was, in hindsight, it was a leadership course It was a listening course disguised as a leadership course. And I'll never forget going into his class the very first night he had everybody, you know, settle in. And this was night school. So like six o'clock to nine o'clock twice a week. And um, he came in and he goes, okay, we're going to just take before we get started um, three minutes of silence. And we were all kind of like, what is this guy talking about? Everybody was working professionals, right? Like, just race to school. And we all kind of looked around and he goes three minutes to bring ourselves into the work. And I have a singing bowl here. This was not planned. 
Um, and he literally, and we're all sitting there like, is this guy for real? <laughs> like, but nobody's talking because he said three minutes of silence. And in those three minutes, all this like whole world was happening inside of me. Like I could hear myself thinking, I could feel myself like experiencing um, for the first time in a long time, a bit of stillness. And it was a little bit frightening and I wasn't sure what was happening. And then I wanted to cry. Like this was all in three minutes of this first class. And then it was that moment I left that class. Like we all come out of it and everybody's focused and I was driving home and I called a friend and I was like, I don't know what this is. I don't know who this guy is, but he had us do this thing. You know, and it, it was the beginning of a, of a listening journey um, that hasn't stopped. So that was the first experience of it. But after I graduated, I found myself in his office kind of saying, hey, what was this? What was, what was going on here? Again, crying and really trying to understand like, what was it that I was hearing? What was it that I was now seeing that I couldn't see before? How was this impacting my relationships, my life? And to fast forward from 2011 or 2010 to 2020, it's been a pretty long journey to really continue to study. But that was the beginning of the journey. So hopefully that answered your question. It was yes. just Well, you know, it's interesting because so many of my listeners, you know, have made decisions about the career they initially adopted and then along the way discovered something or had some kind of moment that caused them to rethink everything. And it sounds like that experience in that classroom, and it, isn't it amazing, a three-minute exercise yes. that led you on this journey. And you've studied so much about, um, about this topic. And I, I wonder, before we go into it any deeper, I want to get your definition mm. of deep listening, because I think there's a certain meaning that you assign to it that would be helpful for my listeners as we get into this discussion? Sure. It was um, what Dr. Rick taught me. It's not hearing, H-E-A-R, but we seer, S-I-E-R, with an asterisk at the end, which really, when we're deeply listening, we're sensing, meaning the message comes in and we use all five of our senses, right? So he rings the bell and all of a sudden it's like, I'm feeling things. I'm sensed, like I'm sweating, like all these things are happening, but we sense all five senses. What am I seeing? What am I hearing? What am I feeling? What am I tasting? What am I smelling? Cause you can literally use all five senses with messages that come in. Then we interpret the message, right? Trying to make sense of it. And then we're evaluating it with the E bouncing it off of, is this a fact? Is this an opinion? And then we respond, right? This is like the crash course. Most often a message will come in, someone will sense, and then it's like, bam, reaction. There's no interpreting. There's no evaluation. It's like, don't like this. And then the reaction is often like a knee jerk. Nope, not doing this. Or I love that. But if we're deeply listening, we're moving through those four stages and the asterisk essentially represents memory, like what we're taking from sensing, interpreting, evaluating, and then responding. And what I found is the more that I'm willing to slow down, get rid of any distractions that are around me, 
and bring myself fully into a space with another person or even just with myself, the response is always going to be something that is actually of service to me, whoever it is that I'm sitting with, right, who I'm being with, um, and not just for that moment, but for the future as well. So it really creates a sense of connection that is unlike anything if you're just reacting to what's happening or um, or anything else that's going on. So like the two of us, you said, hey, I'm going to turn my cell phone off before we start this interview. I said, I'm going to do the same thing. And that action alone creates a space to deeply listen mm-hmm. because we're not distracted. So there's this process of slowing down, getting rid of anything that could be a distraction, and then being so with yourself and another person that there's magic, essentially, that can be created Mm -hmm. in that moment. What have you found to be useful in terms of suggestions for clients who tend to be in that reactive or judgmental mode when they're hearing, when they're listening to someone and they've turned off those distractions and yet in their own heads, mm-hmm. there are things going on that maybe it's their previous experience interacting with that person where something they say triggers mm-hmm. a reaction. How do you help people get past that? Because I'm sure I've got people in my audience who are triggered by at least one individual in their lives. What do mm. you mean? What can they do? to be more responsive instead of reactive? Yes. So one of the, um, this is so funny. I didn't plan this, I promise. Um, One of my clients got me this snow globe for Christmas. And because she's always hearing me use the snow globe analogy, because oftentimes when we're meeting with people, they're all spun up, right? Like somebody's triggered them or this just happened or they're reacting to the circumstances of life that are always neutral, right? This is something that I teach with the clients, like circumstances neutral, right? But if we can get to a place, cause I won't coach somebody when they're like this. Mm-hmm. So part of my role as a coach is to bring somebody to a place of stillness to where they can start to see clearly, because if they can see, they can hear. Mm, That's great. And for those that are only listening, Teresa has held up one of those snow globes. She shook it and then (laughs) let everything settle down. And it is quite a difference in terms of what you see. Because I don't want to talk. I can't, I I know that someone can't hear me when they're, when they're like that. So it's my role as a coach to bring somebody to a place where we're calm and at that natural state of like peace, love, calm. And then I could say something that may have triggered them or they may have wanted to be really defensive, but from this space, we're open and we can see clearly. And there's this channel where I can give and they can receive and vice versa. And I don't have to they might be able to see something that they couldn't see before because they were simply reacting. But that's also why they're working with a coach. It's because they know something's probably not working and there's something that they can't see. So when we can see life differently, we can start to be and live life differently. Mm -hmm. 
Well, one of the things you had said when we were talking before is the emphasis you give on um, listening to yourself. And I want to get into that from the perspective of um, you have a question that you've posed, which is, who are you listening to? Yes. So tell us the answer to that question, because that leads into the listening to yourself part, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm always asking in any course or program or coaching experience that I'm offering, I share what I call coach T's truths, right? And essentially it's just a way in which I choose to view and listen to the world that serves me. And I always open by saying, you know, at any given point in time, you are either listening to yourself, listening to others or listening to God. And the question is, who are you listening to and how is it serving you? Because if we slow down, right? If we really slow down, we can say, ooh, I'm listening to society who says I should do X, Y, and Z, right? And that doesn't feel good. Oh, but if I'm listening to myself and myself is saying, you know, go this way or check that out. I can, if I can become really proficient, it's almost like we get a voice decoder, right? That says, this is my true authentic voice. This is the voice of my parents or society or somebody else. And if you're spiritual or religious, right, you also know where to find the voice of God in your domain, right? Whatever your practice is. So from a way in which we're moving through the world to create results, that question is super powerful because what I teach is there's often two types of listening, right? Useful listening and non-useful listening, where a useful listening is typically something that drives us towards something that we ultimately desire, a result that we would want. And a non-useful listening is um, gonna send us to the land of, I have a client who calls it Negativeville USA, right? So it's this, I, I have people imagine um, like trains of thought, like literally like trains going by. And I think it was the National Science Foundation who said like, look, you have anywhere, you have up to 60,000 thoughts a day, thoughts that you could be listening to yourself, not somebody else. And of those 60,000 thoughts, 80% of them are negative and 95% are repetitive. So we want to get really good. We can relax, number one, knowing that negative thoughts are normal. Those trains are going to come through, right? And if they're going to be repetitive, we can also relax, but then we can listen for the thoughts that are useful, like the trains that are going to lead us towards where we want to go. And then it's like, yep, let's ride that train. Or you could be riding a train that's leading you down a path of storytelling that's not useful, worst case scenarios. And we see this often with clients. Some, something happens, that reaction puts them in one of those trains that wastes their time, leads them creating worst case scenarios, how this is going to blow up in their face, you know, going to get divorced, whatever. But that's only because they're riding a non-useful listening, right? So it's like, hey, come on, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> calm down and let's listen for what's true. Yeah. And, and what to me you're really getting at there is that awareness, yes. paying attention so yes. that they notice what what voice is running through their head. And this emphasis on listening to yourself, I think, is important from different perspectives. One is 
um, believing the things you say to yourself and not yeah. distinguishing between just those critical thoughts that a person might have on occasion to them running relentlessly in your head and causing you to end up feeling bad about yourself, whether in most cases being too hard on yourself. So what can you do to achieve a greater balance and, and pay more attention to those positive thoughts rather than the, the negative ones that don't serve you as well? I think you nailed it when you said it's about awareness because a lot of my work is waking people up to the quality of the conversations they've been having with themselves, mm. the things that they say that aren't useful. I had a client once say, um, and, I, and I invite people to practice, practice. I, I end every session saying practice, 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 and then practice some more because you only develop mastery through practice, right? So I want my clients going out and listening for how they talk to themselves because it can be as subtle as this one client who came running back and going, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how often I call myself stupid. I said, well, what did you discover? She was like, Coach T, I was pouring a bowl of cereal and I poured the cereal. I was, I got a text and I started pouring the milk. The milk overflowed from the bowl. And I was like, gosh, you're so stupid. And it was like that. And that's how sneaky the non-useful listenings are in our subconscious mind. Whether, and, and I, talk, I call them non-useful listenings, but many of us don't realize that there are hundreds of them playing beneath the surface. And many of them came from childhood, right? If you think about, there was always a parent saying, don't touch this or put that down or sit up like this or like there was always something wrong with you right like because you could so you're listening and now we're looking outside of ourselves for approval validation and am I okay mm-hmm. am I enough right no wonder this stuff seeps into the business world and right so it's this space of okay can I hear how I'm even talking to myself and when I really look at that would I even be friends with somebody who talked to me like that And usually, I mean, this work isn't pretty, right? Like it's why I was sweating and wanting to cry in Dr. Rick's class, right? Because it's a, it's, it's just really bringing in the truth of what's going on. That's all that's, and it's like when people can really hear the way in which they've talked about themselves to themselves, now all of a sudden it's like, okay, we got some work to do, but not in a way that's overwhelming. It's just like, how can I bring more love? How can I bring more truth? How can I listen to what's useful in me to go create more of what I want in the world? Because most people don't know that all that non-useful listening is creating a state of being in them, right? So the same person who says, gosh, that's so stupid, they're calling themselves stupid in other areas, in business, in relationships, right? And it's like, well, Let's forgive ourselves for this because we don't even realize we're doing it. And then once we can, it becomes a game of like self-forgiveness, more love, what's true. I'm not stupid. I just spilled the milk. Perfect. And we can keep moving. That's what I mean by practice, practice, practice. But if we're not listening, it's a mess. (laughs) Right. Well, exactly. And with the work that we do around, you know, interpersonal skills, including listening, the brain has to really rewire itself 
for a new way of doing that behavior because it doesn't happen overnight, especially when we have years of practice doing it away in a way that hasn't been useful for us. And I'm curious about your experience with leaders because we've seen sometimes where leaders who have been through, let's say, a training program where they've learned these various what are called soft skills, which of course we both know are not soft, um, but these interpersonal skills. And when it comes time for them to work more on listening as you focus on, what do you do with someone who says, I already know how to listen. You know, Mm -hmm. I've been through the courses. I, I know how to do it. How do you help them see that they really have more to learn? Yeah, I really try to meet people where they are. And what I will often share is a truth about myself to bring somebody into a space where they can maybe see a little bit more than they're seeing, right? So if somebody says to me, I already know this, right? (laughs) Or I've heard this before. Um, I'll often say, you know, I remember going to workshops or classes and thinking, I already know this, I've heard this before. And it wasn't until a little bit later where I realized I actually didn't know it. Because the second I think I've got it, that's like, that's like the warning signal. I might say something like that. And that's enough for somebody to wonder, like open up a little bit more to how they've been closing themselves off right? And then it's a way for me to talk about how we can create our listening of even things that we've heard before for greater insight, awareness, and impact, to be honest with you. Um, One of my teachers, I did a a training over the summer. It was a spiritual training who made a comment that she had watched this movie that we all were watching no less than 300 times, right? And at first I was like, that's a lot of times because this was a pretty uh, intense movie for me to even watch twice. Um, and it, there, was, there was wisdom in that because it's like people who read the Bible and it's like, I've, I've read this passage before, but this time, this time. So what's happening is if we're evolving, nothing will ever be like the first time we've ever experienced it. And there will always be something new. So when somebody says, I already know this, or maybe they're frustrated or they're kind of slapping their hand, like, I knew, I knew. It's like, well, listen, there's conceptual knowledge. And then there's this embodied wisdom that only comes from practice and experience and being on the master's path. And the master knows they're forever the student. So given that, how would you like to create your listening today? So even though you've heard this before, you walk out of here with a breakthrough. And that's typically what I would say. That's a great question. (laughs) That's such a good question. And I'm curious to know what, what give give us some examples of leaders that you've worked with Mm -hmm. um, sort of a before and after what was their listening? What was their attitude like before their work with you and how did they make it a positive change that was more useful or helpful for them afterwards. So the running joke in my unleashed group coaching program for women is they called themselves perfectionist anonymous. Okay. So every woman leader comes in 
somewhat intimidated by the other people in the group because every year there's new faces, right? And they all have this desire to get it right, to be perfect. And you can imagine there's some great non-useful listenings happening when you have to be perfect or you have to get it right or you have to create this result in your business, right? Um, So a good before and after is really people coming in wanting to create an external result because oftentimes they think that that thing out there is going to be what finally makes them happy or it's going to be that thing that gives them what they want, whether it's the money, the intimacy, the trust, the respect. They come in thinking, if I could just create this thing out there. And then after our time together, it's like we listen, we get still. And this is not like a bunch of meditations and like the listening work is very, I'll just continue with my original train of thought. The before is looking for something external. The after is recognizing that it's always internal. There's an internal shift that happens from how they listen and how they choose to create themselves and others based off of how they listen. And there's a freedom that allows them to love in a deeper way, to love themselves, right? To love others and actually create in a way that's in alignment with the truth of who they are, like their authentic self, not who they think they should be because it's going to create this result or this person did this and that's how they got healthy and fit. It's like, nope, there's a way for you. And when we work together, we find out your way. And we also discovered that nothing from the outside will ever create what it is that you ultimately seek. So that's the before and after. And then they ultimately create what they want anyway, but from a place of like a true knowing that they are loved and they are perfectly imperfect and they can create so much more with that freedom. And you know what it sounds like to me, the words that are coming to me are things like calmness. Yes. More relaxed. Yes. Less judgmental even more patient with themselves, more accepting. Yes. And you talk about the importance of self-love there. Tie that all in with everything you've said so far. So I will often say that listening is love. In the first book that I wrote, there was literally a chapter called Listening is Love because when you can listen to yourself, right? Because so many people don't listen to themselves, right? They cut themselves off and they just, they they lose that confidence. So the subtitle to that work in process book is creating confidence in yourself, others, and God, but you got to spend time with yourself. And in order to spend time with yourself, you got to love yourself, right? So, so many people struggled especially early on with the pandemic, because they were literally forced to be inside with themselves. And a lot of people discovered they did not want to be inside mm-hmm. <laughs> themselves because in that silence, in that space of seeing oneself reflecting and examining a life, right? Things can come up that are uncomfortable or maybe we don't want to look at, right? But self-love, there was this acronym S-T-A-Y, which I picked up in a speaker training, which was about um, how to respond 
to an audience that to maybe somebody who asks a question that's on like that kind of triggers you, right? So I took this acronym from the speaking world and brought it into my work because STAY stands for stop thinking it's about you, right? Mm. So if I can I can stay with anybody, including myself, if I'm not believing all the non-useful things I may have been saying to myself. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right? It's that whole what we can't be with won't let us be. So I want to be with anything and everything. That's why my clients will be like, why do you keep, you know, stretching and doing all these things that scare you? Because it's like, look, if I can't be with it, it's not going to let me be. So I want to be able to be with myself because if I can remember, it's not about me. I can stay with it. S-T-A-Y. I can love it as it is. And that, especially with myself, that's the definition of self-love is just be with myself. And love myself as an imperfect being that's committed to creating at a high level and knowing that if I do or if I don't, I'm still loved, I'm still okay, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where the freedom comes from. Sure. And so what it's sounding like, of course, is you're getting people to better understand the way to get to self-love is not using external metrics, Yes. That whether you met this goal or not, it doesn't undermine your value in any yeah. way. And oh, and speaking of goal, the other thing I want us to talk about is your distinction you make between a goal line and soul line. Yes. And so besides explaining what you mean by that, also you had um I had seen you write that this was around this conference that you had created about five years ago around Mm -hmm. these 100 amazing women leadership conference. And that's where that term, if I'm not mistaken, either originated or got refined in your mind. So explain, give us the setting of what happened Mm -hmm. and and what do you mean by that distinction? Sure. So a hundred amazing women was one of those um, big, bold goals for the year get up in January. It's like, okay, God, you really want me to create a conference for hundred amazing women. It's going to be in October. Okay. Listening, right. Listening. And that journey in and of itself taught me so much just to create this experience for hundred amazing women and having hundreds of conversations to talk about the event, to curate the event with the attendees, to bring in speakers from all across the country, to rent out the Orlando Museum of Art. Like this was a big, big, big deal. And what I was learning was there was, there's always something else at play if we're willing to listen, right? Always. And as I was having conversations with these women that were amazing because one amazing woman would say, oh, you need to talk to Meredith. She's amazing. And then I would be having coffee with Meredith and she would be talking about herself and her journey and what made her amazing. And there's two aspects to this story and I'm going to get to the soul line question that you asked, but I do think it's important for everybody listening to know there's always more if we're willing to listen. So one would think goal line get this conference, get the venue, promote the event, have your speakers come through, um, execute it, book a hotel. Like there's the goal, like all the steps towards the goal, right? Get a hundred women signed up to pay your um, ticket 
price to participate in this thing, that's like we're moving from like one side of the field to the other, right? Checking off boxes. The soul line kind of on this vertical axis, and this was something our mutual friend, Melissa Ford had to teach me because I hired her on this journey of filling this conference, right? Was who am I becoming? Like as I rise up into the highest version of myself, what am I hearing? What am I, how am I changing? How am I evolving so that I can reach the goal line goal, right? Because there's this development that's happening on the soul line that allows us to reach the goal in a way that actually doesn't feel like you're killing yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So the two conversations that I was listening to, there was this goal line, right? Get people, do the things, check the boxes, you know, this is a grind, this is difficult. And then there's the soul line of who am I becoming? What are the things I needed to learn? Who were the helpers that came along the way? Who did I need to hire to help me? All of these things that were really about my development happened on the soul line. And then when I was really listening, all of these conversations with amazing women, I would sit down and I'd say, so tell me about yourself. And they would always tell me about whatever this amazing thing was. And I remember one woman saying, yeah, we did over a million in revenue for the first time in our business. I also had a pacemaker installed, right? Or the woman who got the VP position and then there was this, and I also got a divorce, right? Or the person who was literally having a baby (laughs) in the hospital and then before leaving the hospital was sending messages for her work. Right. So as I'm having these conversations and meeting all of these amazing women, I'm hearing shadow side, shadow side, like broken bones, broken homes, all this stuff. And this is what's actually in this book that has taken me quite some time to start wrapping up here. It's if we're really listening. Right. Who are you listening to and how is it serving you? Right. What is the legacy that you want to leave? Right. And is it going to are you going to die before because you didn't take care of yourself or your relationships weren't right? Or it was all about the money and then you create the money and hate yourself. Right. There's been a few of those clients, millions hand over fist and don't like themselves because they thought they needed to be a certain way to create that particular result and hate themselves. Mm -hmm. So that's the the, the deeper work. Yeah. It, it, the picture I was getting in my mind as you were describing that and the listeners were meaning S-O-U-L, soul line. Yeah. That it was like you're, you're going in parallel towards your goal and you're having to pay attention to yes. what's happening with you in yes. that journey. So again, I think it goes back to awareness somewhat, doesn't yes. it, Teresa, that you notice what you're feeling, how you're becoming as far as how you respond to others. Are you mm-hmm. becoming more loving or less loving yeah. in your interactions as a result of pursuing this, this goal that you're saying is so important to you? Is it worth whatever price you're paying with what's happening inside of you? Exactly. And so many women have a lot of non-useful listenings 
about what it means to be a good employee, a good leader, a good mom, a good sister, a good friend. Like this is a good, like you name it, whatever the role is, because women often have a lot of roles, right? There's listenings around in order to be a good one, you must do this. And that's why a lot of women are stressed out and feeling like, you know, burning the candle at both ends, all of that and, and unhappy. They might be productive. They might be making really great money, but they're not <laughs> like, and some of them are sick, like really sick, but they feel like they can't say no. Right. They feel like they don't a boundary. What is that? How do you create that in a way where people don't hate you? Right. So it's, it's all the, the stuff that comes up and then there'll be men that are like, well, what about his life? What about his legacy? It's the same thing with men, but it's just not as nuanced. I would, my experience has been the nuances are different. Mm-hmm. So the men that I work with, they have different things going on. <laughs> yes. I, listening is still important. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, and it goes back to our society and what a lot of expectations are. I'm curious for someone that does have all these different voices, it kind of goes back to your uh, earlier question, you know, who are you listening to? Yes. And how do you help someone create balance in within themselves if they have, let's say, a spouse who's not as supportive mm-hmm. of them and is trying to put pressure on them to be or do certain a certain way and then demands of the kids, let's say, or their boss, you're, they're expected to work so many hours. How do you guide someone who is feeling pulled in these different directions? So one of my favorite questions is asking clients, you know, what would you love to create? Right. What would you love to create? Not what would you like? What would be nice? Like, Oh, it'd be nice if I got a baby. No. What would you love to create? in your personal life, in your professional life, in your spirit, like what is it that you would love? Because more often than not, they're not willing to say what they would actually love because somewhere inside they don't feel like they're worthy of it or they can't have it. Because now we're getting to, well, where's that listening coming from, right? Mm. So to answer your question, it's like my whole job is to help people look at what they would love to create, then look at what they are currently creating, see how they've created it, not in a way that makes them feel bad or needs to like be like, you know, I can't believe I've been operating in this way. It's like, no, it's just seeing because when we can see, we can shift. Mm -hmm. So what I say is often, what would you love to create? Because once I know what somebody would love to create, then we can look at how what they're listening to is creating their current reality because it is, right? Because mm-hmm. if you believe you have to do all the things. I remember um, early on, I decided, I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to hire a housekeeper, right? Because I had a story, like, you should be able to cook and clean and work and, you know, all the things. And I remember the first time I came home and, like, I saw the baseboards had been clean, I cried, right? Like, <laughs> Because I had a non-useful listening that I had to do it all on my own, right? That I couldn't ask for help or asking for help meant that this or whatever. And it's like, oh, right? Like, it's allowing people to see 
that they're worthy of their own time, love and attention that no, they don't have to do all of these things because society says that this would mean you're a good mom, right? Best gift for moms was Amazon, right? Especially with all the stuff that comes from the school. Like, can you bring in this? Amazon can, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So I'm, I'm, I'm slightly joking, but I do believe that it's getting in touch with what it is we would love to create. Cause so many moms, so many women, so many female breadwinners, whatever the, the role of the woman is, they feel like they have to come second. And then they feel this conflict when you start talking about being unable to pour from an empty cup. And then it's like, but I have, you know, it's like, okay, but how are we creating an empty cup? How are we creating you being upset at your spouse? Like how, like, because if I can help people see how they've created everything through how they listen, the game can start to change. I love that. That's beautiful. And I love your question for two things, uh, the words love and create, because it frames it in such a positive way. You know, like you said, you don't use the word want or like, it love, you know, yes. love, you know, like really get behind this. Yes. And then create is not just settling for whatever is currently. Yes. It's, it's getting them to imagine the future that they would love to be in. And exactly. so that's a fabulous takeaway. And I would encourage everyone listening to ask yourself this question, uh, regardless of what your own uh, <laughs> voice may be saying or others might say, forget all that. And just going back to what you started with, Teresa, getting still, getting quiet, even for three minutes to give yourself permission to just imagine what would it feel like if you really created something you loved? It's, yeah. it's really touching my heart to, to think about that and encourage others to think, because that's really what your approach is so gentle and encouraging. And yet I hear the strength behind it too, where you're not going to allow someone to wallow around and suffer. No. You're <laughs> going to, you know, really challenge them in a loving way to to be honest with right. what's going on. And I think that's a key gift that you bring to your clients is I think they can probably sense your deep caring and commitment to them and to their success. So they don't keep sabotaging themselves and getting in their way. When I, I did an exercise a couple of years ago where I asked all of my clients, there's just some questions to like, you know, almost like 360 feedback. Um, but I had asked them like, you know, what is, I think it was, what is something I'm really good at? And the through line was being able to sit with people um, and not judge them for anything that they brought to the table. Mm. And I had one client say to me that, and we'd been working together for a few years now. And she said to me, um, I didn't get it when you said it, let's say it was three years ago. And then she was able to reflect and see how she was getting in her own way and creating all of this um, chaos for a truthful world, right? Within her family. Mm -hmm. And she said, thank you. 
for not judging me and for not like giving up on her. And I think as coaches, it's really important for us to know that we can't force our clients, you know, it's like, you can't skip your own evolution. Like I, I can see something for somebody, but I can't push them into right. that next chapter, right? They, they walk through that next chapter and they see for themselves. And that learning is so much more powerful mm-hmm. because that's where I meet people is, is where they are. And we go where we go. Well, you know, I just had this image of you trying to help someone shift a little bit in terms of their perspective or where they're looking so that they could see something new and different than what they've always looked at in the past to get a new view of themselves and their world. And it is a gentle, and I, I know my clients will tell you like, there, there is there, it is very gentle. It is very loving. And yes, there's some strength behind it because they know, like people have said, like, and the joke is also coach T doesn't stand for Teresa. It stands for truth. Right. Cause I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to say what I think you want to hear. Yeah. Right. I might, I will be the one that says what I'm afraid to say. I'll probably tell you I'm afraid to say it. And I'll also say I could be totally wrong, but here's what I see. Right. And it's that willingness to for me to listen to myself first and foremost, because a lot of times what I'm sensing on the inside as somebody's talking to me is usually spot on. Because I can hear I can hear because I'm searing. I'm not just like taking what they're saying. Right. Body language. I can sense if somebody is I can sense all of that. And then that's what I speak to. That's great. I love that. I I just love the work that you're doing. Thank and so you. <laughs> I can tell it's so great. People are so lucky who get to work with you. So for those who would like to connect with you, Teresa, and learn more about you, where's the best place for them to go on social media and also through your website? Sure. So the website is um, herlifeherlegacy.com, all ran together. And then I'm on Facebook. I don't have like a Her Life, Her Legacy page. I just find me, Teresa Watts, W-A-T-T-S, which is my maiden name, Campbell, C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L. So um, yeah, at this moment in my journey, it's one spot. So Teresa Watts Campbell on Facebook and then HerLifeHerLegacy.com. You can contact me there and yeah, I would love to have a conversation and help you unleash whatever's holding you back that you're listening to that isn't serving you. So that's great. Well, Teresa, you've been such a gift for my listeners today. Thank you, you for sharing your, your wisdom, your um, insights and your truth. It's great. Yes. And <laughs> it's so important to, to help people come together in this time in our country and world to help people learn how to listen to each other and really hear. You've given some very valuable tips on how people can do that in a, in a really deep, positive way. So thank you. Thank you. This was excellent. I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Strong for Performance podcast. Now head over to growstrongleaders.com slash free and grab our ebook, Listen Like a Pro. 
You'll find out how to connect on a deeper level with the people who matter to you. And while you're there, check out our two books, Connect With Your Team and Peer Coaching Made Simple. Until next time, I'm Meredith Bell.